this week we bring you the tips on getting new hands on the air, a little bit about what's going on on, on the delay in the podcast, the latest news from the ARRL, announcements, and so much more. Stay tuned. Hello and welcome to the Ham Radio Guide. Welcome to this podcast. It's your host, Marvin, W0MET. We're bringing you the latest of news, topics, and information each week right here to this show. And so we'll start off with a little bit of information about the delay in the podcast. And, um, you know, it's been a very busy two months. Uh, I'm actually glad to get back to the show here and get to uh, recording again. I decided to take, you know, it was going to be about two weeks and end up being about three uh, weeks of vacation in September. And uh, that took me into the very last weekend. And then my club had a direction finding uh, event that last Saturday in October. And from there, we moved into some other ham radio events. Uh, I think a couple bike rides. Uh, we had a ham radio uh weekend tailgate fast and i know we had something else in there scheduled but uh anyway the month of october has been a very busy month as well for ham radio events here with the stones river club and myself and so that's delayed a little bit of getting uh the show put out when all we've had all these saturday morning or saturday events and so uh, again we are back on schedule and we're uh, glad to be back again so um uh, glad to have you here and hope you stay tuned with us and you'll continue to uh, listen to us each and every week. So um, let's get to some show content. And so uh, we're going to move right into it. Uh, as I've mentioned in the past, I'm a technical specialist for the Tennessee AWRL for assisting new hams. Now, what does that mean? Eh, you know, maybe not a lot. Uh, maybe it's just a more of a title more than anything. But you know, one of my goals is to be able to assist new hams uh, from the AWRL perspective is to be able to assist new hams uh, in, in getting uh, licensed, uh, getting them on the air, and you know, really retaining or in, or engaging them and and keeping contact with them. And so. You know, I'd like to think I've done a pretty decent job with that on a very local level. Uh, maybe not so much in a in a mid-region level for uh, Middle Tennessee, but um, as as I go into it, uh, you know, I've kind of had this experience myself quite a bit as I got licensed back in 1995, and you know, as you know. As many of us know that a lot of New Hams get their license, but they don't get on the air. They don't upgrade. And, you know, it was one of those things that happened to me back in 95 as well. So I got my license, didn't become real active for many years. I also didn't upgrade for well over 20 years until like 2018 was my year I decided to go get my general. And I stayed a technician and just operated on VHF, UHF for all of those years, not knowing I was missing out on so much fun. But now I have to admit, part of that living in an area that would permit me from having antenna towers or antennas, uh, you know, I was busy with life, career, ham radio was not really a priority. And, you know, I'm sure many of you are, are or currently have been in the same boat uh, at some point as, as well. And so ham radio kind of takes a back seat like, you know, any other hobby or seat, you know, probably would or should. 
uh, when you have you know many years of kids and things like that that uh, you know are, are important to be a part of their life uh, during those times so you know I, I think there's also many other reasons why newly licensed hams don't get on the air and I'm going to choose this is my first of three uh, my first selection is being afraid of getting on the air speaking saying something wrong maybe being ridiculed for it now I've had some not had conversations like that but I've heard conversations on local repeaters where you know somebody said 10-4 and, and so they got you know read the right act uh, for for saying such a thing on the ham radio bands and you know this is not CB and you know they got into whole detail and so you know that does become very discouraging uh, for a new hand to be able to hear that and then have that happen and uh, you know I, I can see why someone you know it's like well you know if they're gonna treat me like that then I don't be a part of it um, you know other people um, you know mean you know have the fear of just getting on the air and saying something stupid and and saying the wrong thing again uh, besides you know maybe just 10-4 but just don't know what to say when they get on the air uh, they don't really have their per right procedure or or know how to call out and yeah I teach you a little bit in the technician license but there's the book side of things and then there's the real world right so you know we always have uh that but sometimes people listen and they kind of hear what people are saying they start to get used to it and then you know they'll maybe start to warm up and you know like me you know many times uh when i first got my handheld i was out of the area i didn't have a good way to reach the repeater i had a little handheld uh, don't remember what it was maybe i think i want to say it was one of the kenwoods but the fact that uh, I couldn't reach the repeater very well until I moved into like the closer to the area and when my parents went and visited the city or something I could then you know reach it and have it with me and you know try and listen and talk once in a while and of course I'd try and have it like a little J-pole antenna as well um, you know and then I think I finally was able to move up into a mobile where I could hit the repeater a little bit easier so you know maybe I'd talk a little bit more often but again really didn't know anybody or know anything i wasn't a part of any club i was still very young and and you know wasn't familiar with the area uh repeaters and stuff uh, that well and uh you know didn't know a whole lot about ham radio or what to do with it you know what do i do from this point i kind of got involved a little bit of a sky warn but uh, you know so i you know i kind of had some of that little ham radio adventure that some people you know what have about you know getting on the air uh, I, I can certainly know where they're coming from and kind of experienced that when i was growing up in my first new years of being li uh, newly licensed the second part is i think sometimes we'll call it technology uh, finding the local resources the tools the frequencies for the the, the new handheld getting it programmed um, it can be very challenging for some of those radios doing it manually um, let along with a program cable getting into the right mode for for writing the uh, code plug to the radio you know and adding the frequencies sometimes finding the right frequencies do they know there's a ham radio repeater logbook uh, or uh, not a logbook but a repeater book for a list of all the repeaters as an app you know that that's something somebody might not know um, you know unless they go out and buy the ARRL book and have to go through and look for each one and type it in manually and just very time consuming and, and can be very challenging and difficult for some and so 
you know, that's uh, that can be tough uh, for people loan itself, especially if they're maybe a little older, uh, getting their license, maybe not as familiar with it, never dealt with a radio or electronics much. Uh, so, you know, that can be a lot, uh, you know, to, to take on as well for getting a radio set up. And sometimes people I've seen just do one or two frequencies because that's the only ones they know. That was what's local. That's what everybody talked about, right? That's where everybody was at. You could always hear them, you know, the local repeater being busy with that one. Um, sometimes just having local resources, uh, somebody that can help out. Now, in my club, I've been very engaging with people to be able to do that. Uh, people will reach out to the club quite often and say, hey, can you help me with this or find somebody with this? And at the end of every meeting, we usually try and have a, hey, a programming party of say, hey, someone's got a radio here, but I have a cable and I just I don't know what to program. And I don't know how to do it. So, you know, we'll help out people with that quite often. And that's always a cool feature to have as part of the club. Uh, so that's always good there. Um, but it's not always just about getting the radio programmed uh, or just not speaking in the air. But uh, what do you do with it? Uh, just what do you what do you talk about? Um, you know, obviously, you, you know, sex, politics, and religion usually stay off those things. But um, you know, um, you know, who do you talk to? You don't necessarily have a new friend. Uh, you know, but you know, just get on there and call out your call sign. Sometimes can be the easiest way to do it. And somebody might come back and say, "Hey, oh yeah, you know, no, I'm not familiar with your name. What's your name?" and you know have a conversation back back and forth and just kind of start talking about that and sometimes you might have the local president uh, pipe into the message in here oh hey by the way you should come to our next meeting so uh you know <laughs> i've done that several times actually um and try and invite people and sometimes i find that they're kind of way out of the county area so it doesn't work out well but i've had a few people come as a result of that too which has been good so that's the second reason and the third reason I'll get into in just a bit, talking about Elmer's. Um, but uh, before I do that, uh, making the right choice for radio can can also just alone uh, be very difficult for a newly licensed ham to figure out which brand, model, features, the power. Uh, maybe it is they're going to buy a mobile. What What is the right mounting solution? How do I mount this? How do I wire it? I have a, you know, very nice vehicle. I don't, you know, I want to put it into a BMW, you know, how do I put a radio in a BMW type of thing? So now that's not the case for most people, but there's been situations where it's happened. And so uh, sometimes just finding that can, uh, for new hams can be very interesting in itself. And so uh, we always try to provide those resources, again, as a local club to new hams. Now, the way to really get into new hams is probably once you have them at your testing center and or you know your your session whenever you're doing if it's every month or every week whenever you do those that you can obtain their information right then and there and you get that as part of the application process you get their emails and i would suggest getting in them into a what we consider like a boot camp or a new ham class and the National Area Radio Society in New Hampshire uh, goes even further in mentioning uh, setting up an HF station and some of the articles and training that they do. They run a boot camp, which is coming up November 13th, I think. And it's a day-long class, kind of a boot camp that I'll be doing virtually uh, in two weeks. And so I probably won't have a podcast that week uh, just because I will be in that boot camp class to see what it's a little bit about and how I can um, take some of uh, 
those ideas and maybe make something like that happen here in Middle Tennessee where I am. And so, you know, um, my goal would be to set up these classes or mini sessions with new hams, uh, getting them scheduled uh, right away and as part of the testing after they get their license and they've passed uh, to help gain some of their interest. And so some of those events, depending on the time of year it may be, inviting them to the next field day, maybe your fox hunt, um, you know, we could get them into DMR, uh, you know, digital radio modes such as JSA, FT4, FT8, or, excuse me, even satellite operation uh, can get a lot of new hams interested. Uh, you know, the Stones River Amateur Radio Club, again, as the president, has had several members that are new and have taken up several of these different activities uh, as, as we have got newly licensed hams involved with things. And so we don't really hold the classes, but we do hold some of the other events I talked about there. And people do come and, and you know, we certainly invite them all the time and invite the public to these events, which has been helpful as well. So I suggest once you have a, a group of new hams that you have licenses through testing um, after the technician course that you enroll them in a new technician course called maybe getting on the air. Uh, it's a perfect, uh, just like the magazine, uh, getting on the air. There, that, that magazine has a lot of great tools and stuff you could teach right out of that. Uh, you could almost use that as your manual in some ways. So I think this will help new hams that are just licensed explore and have time to get a high level overview of knowledge on the many different activities, modes, and operations that are available through ham radio uh, rather than just the simple uh, simplex or repeater modes that we normally have, uh, something that I experienced. Um, yes, even a newly licensed ham uh, can talk around the world on DMR radio and make many new friends. Um, so a lot of uh, privileges and an opportunity there uh, for that to happen. So I think that's pretty cool in itself that you can be a DMR and talk literally around the world on a, on a dmr radio so you know the th suggestion would be that you take a like a one to two hour session going over like four different activities uh maybe every half hour maybe hour every hour you, you switch from satellite to digital to contest to dmr and explore those topics maybe have four different little break off sessions with different groups so you have smaller groups so they can you know kind of ha ask more questions and feel not feel so pressured or, or you know feel like they're going to ask a stupid question maybe in the larger group so they might talk more and be more active and engaged in a smaller group so having um, you know someone that specializes in each of these sections teaching and sharing what they know and love about ham radio and why they particularly uh, like that part of ham radio and again as we mentioned many things you know, there's, of course, many other activities like slow scan TV, HF, VHF, Winlink, APERS, uh, many other aspects about ham radio that we could go into, but just, you know, not highlighting at the moment. So, uh, you know, th these are the most common ones that seem we seem to get into most of the time. And so, you know, another way you could do this is by license type as those, you know, that have HF privileges may like to know more about the HF Winlink, uh, doing it over VHF, for example. Uh, so... You know, it may be something that might be interested, um, you know, for either those who are in HF don't know much, much about the VHF side of Winlink, or those in Winlink can realize, oh, I should upgrade my license because I can know I can do HF over, I can do Winlink over HF, which is cool. So, 
you know, different ways to look at that and, and different perspectives of the class, you could, how you could handle that. But, you know, always use this time to have the new hams get on the air and have people available to talk to them on the repeater, maybe either simplex or, you know, uh, so they get used to it and how they would hold that conversation using the actual radios making them use their radio for that or giving them the one to use if they don't have one. But, you know, creating these mini sessions or classes will help teach specific skills related to ham radio, not just benefiting those new newly licensed hams, but benefiting the community for emergency response, uh, for any public communication, and of course their experience and knowledge and, and interest to retain and engage them uh, longer and have them become part of your club. So, I think um, this will certainly help. Now, my third and final reason. This is where I believe Elmers are those who have a wealth of knowledge and information, and we'll go, we'll include it with experience in that, uh, should share, but, you know, obviously some that share have a difficult, difficult time on how to do that, as some people just aren't teachers. But having multiple instructors can help with that as part of those classes for, you know, uh, you know, they can work off each other in that in that classroom or that session uh when someone stumbles and, and doesn't know a certain topic or a certain area but i think the other thing would be uh you know some people don't want an elmer uh for a number of reasons and we'll go into those uh, just a little bit now they could be too busy and i'd like to think that was probably the case of myself for mentoring somebody is that i still work a 40-hour week job actually for more than 40. um you know run the president of the club and run a podcast and still have a home life and you know respond other responsibilities to take care of and so it really is tough or challenging to get someone to take under my wing and, and really assist or help them but i do help people from time to time when i can and when my available schedule is is free enough to give some time for it i, I certainly do and i'm glad to do that because i do want to encourage new people to become hams all the time and, and you know, make sure i retain and engage them as part of my club as well so I, I do want to try and always reach out and, and do that. But, uh, you know, it, it does take away from, you know, my life sometimes when I've got a lot of other things going on. So I understand the busy aspect of it. Uh, my second one is some people don't want to be bothered. So I don't want to deal with someone else's schedule. I don't want to talk to other people. I don't want to help them out. I don't have time to, I don't have the patience for it. You know, so that could be, um, you know, someone's reason as well. Third, uh, they don't have the technical skill or experience or, or don't believe they have the technical skill or experience to um, be a, a good Elmer or ham mentor. And so, um, you know, we will get back into that one in just a little bit here. But, uh, you know, the other one is the fourth one, the personal skills to be an Elmer. Some people, uh, again, probably comes back to that patience and just respect and, you know, they're the begrudging person and, and cranky one that you don't want to deal with. And so um, we all know who those are sometimes and, and who the uh, we've seen them in and out of our clubs and, you know, whatnot from time to time. So I, I can understand that as well. So whatever the reason may be, though, uh, but I think we need to find a way to fix that. And, and my solution is maybe we need a Elmering the Elmer class. So this class would target those who think it would be fun to be an Elmer or have a desire to be an Elmer, but they're a little unsure of what it really entails and how to go about it. So basically the class would just give them some reassurance that it doesn't require to be an electronic genius, 
doesn't need to take up all the time and the end can be very rewarding. In fact, speaking of rewards, the AWR has a Elmer Mentor Award, which you can go out and apply for if you think your Elmer has done a great job for those who may have their own Elmer. And we've got several Elmers within our own club that are pretty good uh, about helping others most of the time. But, uh, you know, we've also got, you know, groups that uh, will just, you know, do antenna stuff. And, you know, we're going to start a Project Saturday um, session that we'll just be doing different projects, whether it's building a small antenna or fixing an antenna or maybe it's learning how to do an install in a vehicle and we'll find all kinds of little projects to do and I'll talk about that more as we go into the next couple of weeks uh, as the project ideas as I uh, discuss and, and start to come up with uh, for those project Saturdays to move into the 2022 year. So um, but, you know, that would be the, uh, again, the, it could be rewarding, the AWIL reward for your ham, ham mentor or Elmer. Um, you know, make sure you reach out and give them a thank you as well and let them know they've done a great job to continue to encourage them to uh, ham um, mentor or uh, Elmer the others uh, that may be coming up, up and coming in the very soon near future for new hams. So I've discussed the following three reasons um, that, you know, we need to find ways to help keep amateur radio operators. The first one is they're afraid of being called out on the radio for saying, you know, wrong terminology. Two is the complexity of today's technology. And three is really the lack of qualified or willing Elmers uh, that are willing to assist in keeping new hams and teaching new hams all about amateur radio and the fun hobby that we explored each and every day especially this weekend with the worldwide cq contest that's going on and uh how crazy busy and the bands are wide open into europe which is awesome um so i, I should be doing that a little as well but hey i'm here with you guys and i am glad to be doing it so i hope that you will consider being an elmer yourself uh to a new ham and that we can retain or engage and keep new hams and bringing them into the clubs where a lot of them are, you know, a lot of the club members are getting older. And so, you know, they can't necessarily get out and do a lot of activities that they used to. So my goal is that this will help you find and create a mentoring program for your club or that you will take somebody under the uh, wing of, of yourself to help teach them about ham radio and the awesome and fun hobby that this is. So I will digress from this now and hope that you'll found this inter uh, you found this interesting and that you'll reach out if you have any comments or questions. I'd love to hear from you on this. And if you have any thoughts uh, and if we can find ways to help make this better and maybe do this again, this is a great topic. I really like this a lot. Um, and I, again, being an ARRL technical specialist, that's my goal, uh, part of my job to be able to help new hams. And I really want to continue to do that and grow this hobby with uh, new licensed amateur radio operators and gain their experience and knowledge. And we all bring something from different fields to it. So it's, uh, it's good here. Switching gears a bit here. Um, we're gonna go into some good stuff. Um, we're gonna go into some items and announcements before we get to the actual news. And so, um, you know, I, I like to think that the volunteer monitor program uh, a lot of people think that as the, you know, ham radio police. And, you know, that uh, can have a negative connotation in, in, in itself. And they really aren't the police. They are, you know, more of a, 
I guess I'll put it as a regulatory board that is overwatching hams and making sure that we do what we're supposed to be doing. And so I found it quite interesting that they put out the September report here. I'm a little late in reporting this, but um, you know, it's a joint, the volunteer monitoring program is a joint initiative between the ARRL and the FCC to enhance the compliance and amateur radio service. And that's really, you know, it called a regulatory board, but it really is just to, to make sure that we, you know, enhance our compliance in amateur radio. And obviously, according to their report, they've had some issues out there. Um, the September report of advisors sent out uh, operators, um, advisories for operators operating out, out of their band. Um, technicians in multiple states received advis advisories Boy, I can't get that word out this evening. Uh, operating digital mode, FT8 on 20 meters. Obviously not in their band at all on a technician level. And But you know what? Here's the best part of this. Is that the advisory board sent out several good notices as well. Uh, for assisting the operators for transmitter adjustments and procedures. on uh, Helping other hams. So just what I got done talking about is that there was good things uh, happening as well uh, from the volunteer compliance program that they noticed and, and monitored. So uh, good for them. So that, I'm very glad to hear that. The next thing is the check out the ARRL YouTube channel. Now, this is new to me. I did not realize they had a ARRL YouTube channel. I love YouTube. Watch it a lot. Um, have a lot of good YouTubers on there in the ham radio community and uh, have a ton of good information out there as well. So ARRL HQ has their own channel as well. And they have launched a series of amateur radio technician class license courses, which is good. And this video series features the well-known Dave Kassler, KE0OG. So uh, Dave has the QST's Ask Dave columnist and he leads viewers through the AWR ham radio license manual on these videos. And it, uh, you know, the, the manual will provide an overview of the sections the students will study and cover, along with the videos on how things work. So uh, if you uh, have somebody that is interested in becoming a new ham, uh, share this excellent resource with them uh, to help prepare to take the technician exam. And check out more of the great videos on AWRL HQ YouTube channel. So. There you go. Uh, very interesting, cool news there. Um, something I talked about a little bit, I said I was very busy in the month of October with a bunch of ham radio different activities. And this was about two weeks ago, uh, the weekend of October 16th and 17th, the Nashville Amateur Radio Club and the Stones River Amateur Radio Club joined together and assisted the multiple sclerosis or MS with the 27th annual Jack and Back bike ride from Franklin, Tennessee to Lynchburg. This is where the bikers are um, given an option to ride a 60 or 80 mile trip. Now, most of them do take a 60 mile, but there's probably a good 30 to 40, maybe even 50 sometimes that will ride the 80 mile trip. And so, you know, you have uh, different ham radar operators up there on the course and they will follow up and do kind of a final sweep of, up, of, of bikers to make sure that they are safe and that they are, you know, sometimes have breakdowns or blowouts, um, you know, exhaustion from riding, you know, so many miles, maybe not prepared for it necessarily. And so, uh, you know, we will do that full course, again, 60 or 80 miles from Franklin to Lynchburg. Uh, then the bikers are um, 
arrive at Jack Daniels in Lynchburg, Tennessee, and they are fed a meal, a barbecue meal, up on Barbecue Hill from Jack Daniels, and they also have time to explore the Lynchburg area, which is a very cool area I've been to a number of times. Uh, they are then transported to their hotel and brought back to the next morning uh, to make that journey back another 60 or 80 miles uh, through challenging hills and course uh, of roads uh, that they choose whether they want to do 60 or 80s. But overall, it was a successful weekend and uh, always a fun time and a great group of amateurs and bike riders working together uh, to ensure safety of the riders during uh that that long journey so uh and the ms was able to raise over one million dollars for the first time for this jack and back bike ride for ms which is awesome so anyway um moving to one thing more before we go into the news here and this is coming up in the first weekend of november and this is not only the big contest weekend this weekend worldwide but we have the AWRL November sweepstakes weekends uh, they loom uh, large on the amateur radio contest horizon uh, CW weekend is November 6th to the 8th and the while the phone weekend is November 20th to the 22nd both events begin on Saturday at 2100 UTC and conclude on Monday at 0259 UTC Apologize about that. A little sneeze there. Um, so I'm going to use the mic for a moment. A uh, little bit about the event. The sweepstakes offers operating categories for every preference. And the goal for many seasons sweepstake operators is to complete a clean sweep by contacting all 84 AWRL radio amateurs of Canada. And this exchange is for a contact pattern on the traffic handling terminology for both CW and phone events. And... Uh, you have an exchange of sequential numbers. Uh, no leading zeros are required. Uh, for an example, or for an operating category, precedence, a call sign, the last two digits of your year, first uh, license uh, check, and the AWRL rack section. So uh, that will be a fun contest to be able to take part of if you're into your contesting. And we'll move into the news here. And in the news, we have this week a couple just a short stories. Steve Goodgame, uh, which is a uh, K5ATA, he is a well-known YouTuber as well of Batesville, Mississippi, has joined the staff of the AWRL headquarters in Newington, Connecticut. He will serve as the manager of the Education and Learning Department, formerly the Lifelong Learning Department. He had consulted for the department as an instructional designer and was instrumental in the implementation of AWRL's Learning Network webinars. Good Game teaches school uh, computer science programs and is in his second year of teaching amateur radio to students at his school. Steve hosts the K5 ATA Ham Radio YouTube channel, and he's a volunteer examiner and a volunteer firefighter. So congratulations to Steve Good Game on the, um, joining the AWRL headquarters as the Educational Learning Department uh, Chairman. So, um, next story. This is actually quite an interesting story. This is one that you probably won't hear otherwise, but it's a short story of a film 
I'm sorry, it's a story of a short film produced in Oklahoma called The Night. Now, I've not watched this myself, uh, but it looks like it's quite intriguing and interesting. The story goes through a day uh, when the sun has mysteriously failed to rise. The one guy fires, I think there's two kids involved here, and the one kid fires up his grandpa's ham radio, once thought to be a dinosaur, um, you know, of information, uh, but now it's their key to information. So you can find this short film on YouTube called Night 2 that is just 34 minutes long on YouTube. And so uh, it should be kind of interesting to see that and what that is entailing. Uh, so uh, the uh, Oklahoma section leader called out as a great job to, uh, you know, promote amateur radio. So hopefully it's a good little 34-minute long film worth seeing in a, in a short time here. Um, I'll have to try and get into that and let you know maybe how it is. And my last and best story, this is highlighted in the AWRL news this week, uh, as this headline, and I'm going to continue to follow that. Can amateur radio handheld stop a train? Let's find out. The Texas Club averts a train disaster. Every year in the city of Weatherford, Parker County, Texas, the, the Peach Festival is held. As part of this festival, a bicycle ride, the Peach Pedal, is conducted, supported, by the cooperative efforts of local amateur radio clubs and their volunteers. This is also in a joint operation with the Emergency Operations Center, the police, the fire. I mean, it's a, it's a big event that goes on, uh, well known. The net control plan also called for Parker County Racy's operator to work the radios in the Parker County Emergency Operations Center. The operator would be able to help with radio traffic between fire EMS dispatchers, the bicycle rider amateur radio net control, and the county sheriff's deputies performing traffic control at busy intersections. So like I spoke about the jack and back bike ride, we had a number of sags out there sweeping the course and uh, going you know, through to make sure everything was safe and following up with any additional riders that may be having some problems. A sag happened to call out emergency, emergency, emergency. And uh, the continued to have dispatch traffic back and forth and advised a train was coming and that a low boy semi, which is hauling a caterpillar, was stuck on the tracks, needed to stop the train. So they uh, got on with the uh, rail uh, company and uh, made a phone call to the company and said, hey, we got a, track, a train on, you got a, a semi on the tracks and a semi and a train is approaching. Um, so having the ham operator in the emergency operations center, uh, they were able to quickly relay to the dispatcher to contact the rail company and get the train stopped. In the end, the train was able to stop just 30 yards shy of the trailer. Thanks to the amateurs in the field during that bike race, a disaster was averted. So, um, great job to that amateur radio operator for calling that out and, and catching that and saving, uh, what could have been a very bad accident, um, for that train and that bulldozers on a low boy to um, collide with each other. So uh, that was um, well done. So, folks, this is the end of the show. Uh, I'm going to bring this week to a close. I hope that you've enjoyed it. Hope that you will submit and hit that subscribe button and share with friends. I hope you learned something as well this week, and that you're, uh, you know, you'll help you. This will help you in your ham radio operations as well. As always, this is your buddy in the chair and on the air, the ham radio guy. I say seventy-three. Mark.
W0MET.